Bonjour! Welcome to another edition of Café de Rene. I am the spare wheel or riding shotgun today. Hey, hey, this is James. Uh, joined once again by the start of the show, Mr. Rene Dupree. Rene, Kenitra, hello, and bonjour. Ohio gozaimas! Madame et messieurs, je vous souhaite la bienvenue au Carnival. I'm drinking my coffee. It's a cold brew coffee, black. Hey, dude, I just read the news. Apparently, Mount Fuji's ready to explode. Really? Yeah. Uh, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, I just read the, the Tokyo Times or whatever. I guess the police are all, like, taking it serious that it might erupt. 2020's ain't been great, have they? We've had pandemics, we've had <laughs> big recessions, all these things. Uh, honestly, space aliens next year. <laughs> waiting oh, I've a lot of people said like because uh, with the prices of everything um, someone said my retirement plan is for the world to end in 30 years time <laughs> and I'm uh, thinking oh, that's it for a lot of people yeah. but, uh, so before I get to today's topic Renee uh, thanks everyone for tuning in uh, appreciate all the comments we get and suggestions but um, sad news to kick us off really um, not one but two great referees or one referee who became a great agent for WWE. Uh, Dave Hebner and uh, Tim White sadly passed away. Um, great memories of the both of them. Dave Hebner's spot. I think we all remember as kids, Renee, the spot with El Hebner and Andre pinning there, Hogan and with a referee such and they accused El Hebner of having plastic surgery. Uh, these are the good old days of storylines, but Renee, you was in the company while Dave was an agent. Uh, we'll speak about Dave first. What's any fun interactions with him? He was the um, he was like the money guy, the guy they trusted to get the money from the gates of the house shows and stuff every night. And he'd always be the one sitting at the table, and he'd pass by. You want a draw? You want a draw? Need some money? Because they gave draws back then. I think they extended that uh, a year or so after I left. But if you wanted money, they'd give you a draw. You just write your name, and then they take it off for your weekly check, right? Right. But, uh, yeah, he was always cool. Earl was more the hyperactive, you know what I mean? Like, crazy guy. Like, yeah. both good, good dudes. I think they got exnate after uh, they got caught, like, uh, with the T-shirt deal, right? They were... Uh, Printing out T-shirts like counterfeit WWF T-shirts or some shit, making money on the side. That's what WWE said, but uh, my brother told me about this a year or so ago. He said El Hebner done an interview and said, "Why would I do that? I was making such a great living with WWE." Um, so I don't know if that's what happened, or but El in the interview said, "No, that's not what happened." But I don't know if he actually gave the reason why it happened, but. He said, and it's true, like, he was with WWE for so long. He was the head official. So, I don't know. We don't know, but that's the rumor. Like, it was because they were selling counterfeit T-shirts. Yeah. So, um, well, condolences. And obviously, uh, Brian Hebner is a friend of the show. And um, condolences to your family. And Al, hopefully, you're all doing well. And uh, hopefully, everything goes okay. And, fortunately, um, Tim White passed away. And... Tim White yeah. was one of the referees I remember as a kid and someone who was a lot of fun in the locker room of it. 
Nah, he was a really, really good dude. Really good dude. He was from Boston, right? <clears throat> well, he used to be Andre's handler. That's right. So he'd always drive around Andre and, you know. But, yeah, Tim was um, – oh, everybody loved Timmy White. He was a good referee, too. I remember he tried to make a comeback because I think he blew out one of his shoulders, right? That's why he had to take time off, and then he tried coming back, but his shoulder was just gone. <clears throat> Couldn't do it. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I was just a young kid at the time. So, like, I would, all those older guys, I'd go for them for advice, you know. Being a small-town French-Canadian kid, you know, living in the United States, I'm still naive to a lot of things, right? So a lot of those guys helped teach me about life. You know? mm. so, and he was young, man. What is he, 68? Yeah. That's fuck. He was 68, and I think Dave was only 73. Yeah, I think I actually sent you a picture of Dave like a few days, like last week as well. I said he doesn't look great. and Parkinson's, right? Something like that, yeah. And um, it's horrible. I mean, you know, me as a fan, Renee, obviously I, I'm always upset whenever I see a wrestler die, but when it's a referee, I'm like, oh, man, I remember watching these. And like Tim, what I, like Dave Hebner, like I, I probably knew him more as an agent because that's why because he was like way before me and I always knew Ella Hebner, but Tim White, who was someone who was always on TV, especially the Attitude Era. And um, like, if I had a Mount Rushmore referees, like Tim White is there along with L, uh, Lil Nate and uh, Mike Kyoda, I think they're my four favorites. Yeah. No, I go along with all the referees because I mean, there's no, there's no competition. There's no professional jealousy. It's like, you know what I mean? And the referees are just there to, you know, do their thing. And I did. Yeah, it's I mentioned to you before, like I interviewed Sean Mooney on my channel, and he, the best advice he got was uh, from Gorilla, and he said, "Fact, don't you can hang around with them, but you'll never be one of the boys." Is that the same sentiment towards referees, or is referees more accepted because they're in the ring with you? I think there's a line there. The one guy who probably could cross that line is who are, uh, I can't wait to interview is Mike Kyoto. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they always ask these questions. Who was the last guy standing at the bar? I'm surprised his name doesn't come up because he was the first and last guy at the bar, dude. Bro. But, um, yeah, there's still, there's still a line. I mean, they're, they're closer to the boys than than like an interviewer or a backstage, you know, worker or something, but yeah. there's still, you're still not taking them. I mean, they did take some bumps, but yeah. you're still not one of the boys, right? Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And condolences to Tim's family. Hope everyone's doing well. And uh, definitely, they'll definitely be remembered for a long time. So uh, rest in peace. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, this kind of leads us with today's topic and it's like, it's going to be a bit of a mixed episode. It's going to be a bit sad towards the end, but we're going to try and remember the good stories. But um, put it up on the poll and a little bit of a closer poll, but uh, the winner this week was uh, Lance Cade, Renee. And uh, we've, speaking about, we've spoken about Lance uh, previously, uh, some short segments, but um, today we're going to do a full episode on remembering Lance Cade. So we'll get into it. So... Correct me if I'm wrong, I presume the first time you met Lance was in OVW. HWA, Cincinnati. Right. So, 
I got hired in 2002. They sent me to Cincinnati when it was April, I think. Uh, and that's the first time Lance had long blonde hair. And he was 21 and I was 18. And right off the bat, it didn't go well. Every wrestler, you is, is it you? Yeah. The, the problem is you. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. It's just my personal. Hogan, Kane, <laughs> all these wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, it didn't go well. But you know, because we did a taping. I remember we'd have TV, uh, tape day, right? Like we shoot our TV. I think we we did a. We might did a taping in HWA, and I think Cornet was doing the. Uh, commentary and then he called me the 18 year old french uh the 18 year old phenom or french phenom it might that's might where he they came and then we're all watching and then fucking lance but phenom my ass because again professional jealousy because he was the young the young stud on the block and then i hear i come in right you know the physique and you know whatever yeah, but I remember we worked out together at the gym and I was, I, I grew up in wrestling. So for me, like it was a job. It's like, it's like being around my family. I, I don't look at it that way at all. You know what I mean? But eventually we became closer, but then like I was, yeah, I was in HWA for three weeks and then I had to come back home. I had to come back home to get out my work permit, my work visa, sorry. And during that time, they shut down HWA, right? And then the only people that they took, they called up a bunch of people like Jamie Noble and uh, uh, Rosie, Rosie, but a lot of like uh, Mike Sanders and <clears throat> a lot of those guys got released. <clears throat> right. But the only three people that they took from HWA and sent to OBW was me, Lance, and Charlie. Right. Yeah, to relocate. And then Lance, he didn't he didn't move to Kentucky. He didn't move to Louisville. He would transit every day from Cincinnati to fucking Louisville. So that's an hour and a half one way. So he would have to wake up because you know he had a he had married his he had married, I think it was the first girl he had ever been with. He ended up marrying. Right. Right. She was from, uh, I think he met her when he was training at Sean's school in San Antonio. And then, uh, yeah, so he would have to, because we had to be at practice at eight. So that means he'd have to wake up like at five in the morning. Right. And then drive the one hour and a half to get to practice by eight or 7.30, because Rip locked the fucking door. <laughs> and then an hour and a half back. So, and that was just for, for the family, because he, he he came from a good, a good family, you know? Actually, yeah. when his parents, they came down to visit. If I'm not mistaken, he's actually from Nebraska. Right. Yeah. I think Omaha. Yeah. Did he um, talk to you about his time in Shawn Michaels' school because John only had it for a few years and 
I suppose the three main people who came from it was Lance Cade, uh, Kendrick, and Brian Danielson. So, did he talk well, to you? Another about guy that trained there. Another guy that trained there was Paul London. All right. So I've heard that. I didn't know if Paul trained. That I think. No, I might be wrong. And Paul, I know you're watching, and you'll be back on the show sooner rather than later. But I think Paul said he was there, but Sean didn't train him. or Something like that. No. No, I think it was, it might have been Rudy Boy Gonzalez, maybe. Right. I, we got to have him back on so he can clarify that, but. Yeah. Yeah, it was Sean's school. I, maybe Paul Paul Diamond, too. Yeah, because him and Sean was good friends, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't know, whoever trained Paul did a great fucking job, anyway. All those guys, Spanky could go, Lance could go, Brian Danielson obviously could go. Yeah. Um, but I remember him telling me like his first trip Sean had brought every all his boys to Japan for FMW alright Lance was there I think Spanky was there there's another guy named Shooter Schultz maybe there was another fellow who came with us but he didn't uh he didn't last. I think he got signed to Memphis, and then when he got released, he just quit the business. But uh, yeah, he told me like he was 19. Lance was when he first came to Japan. If I remember, yeah. yeah. Then he got hired right after, right? Yeah. And then he got sent so, to Memphis. So um, you smudged your way into OVW and. Uh, He's got paired up with uh, Kenny Boland. So uh, we've had Kenny on the show. Uh, great interview for people. Please check it out. He's a great guest. We'll have him back one day. But we never really spoke about this during when we, when we spoke to Kenny. But what was your first impressions of Kenny when you first saw him? <laughs> we didn't get along. <laughs> car salesman. Yes. <laughs> yes. A huge car salesman. But he was not. He was very nice. Picked me up in his Cadillac. Brought me uh, all the boys when they first got to Louisville would stay at this suburban lodge. It's like a extended stay type apartment hotel type deal, right? It's like a furnished. Uh, it's like a furnished hotel room, basically, right? Stove, fridge, and TV. Everything is included, like. At the time, it was like 800 bucks a month or something, but you had a phone, you had a cable and all that jazz. But he took me to his house, Kenny did, to watch Raw. Where in a three-hour period, he, he drank approximately 12 Dr. Pepper, cans of Dr. Pepper. Wow. How that man does not have diabetes. Yeah. Or, you know. Is not dead of a massive heart attack is beyond me. He is a freak of nature. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> we love Kenny. <laughs> oh, Kenny, Kenny is okay. Kenny, Kenny's entertaining as shit. Yeah. But oh uh, yeah, we me and Lance tagged up, and I think the tension. No, like professional. I mean, it's just professional competition. You know. But then we're tagged up, and I remember we had good chemistry, man. Like, he was the 
the fake cowboy from Nebraska. <laughs> and I was the Frenchman. And then we paired up with Bowen and we, made it, we really made a good tag team. We both got really great heat. Yeah. The crowd would call him Big Bird. Right. right. And then they would call me a French, French fairy, right? Renee's gay was a fucking chant that always happened, right? <laughs> but, I mean, that's what you want as a heel, right? Yeah, it's wrestling. Uh, I've made the uh, OVW compilation of you first getting there and teaming up with Lance, so everyone, you can check it out in the archives. It's a great watch. Um, but a third person that was with the group was Sean O'Hare, and my opinion, Sean O'Hare is one of wrestling's biggest what-ifs. I think uh, Eric Bischoff said, because before WWE bought WCW, the plan was that Bischoff was going to basically reboot WCW. And he said that one of the guys he was going to go ahead with to make the big star to build a company around was Sean O'Hare. Um, yeah. How talented was he? He was, what was he, 6'6"? Six, six? He was doing swantons. He was 275. Mm. Something like that. He was a big dude. I'd say more around 265, yeah. 260. Yeah. But he liked the nightlife. And he had a temper. Yes. He enjoyed fighting. Now, when you're a businessman, a promoter, such as Vince McMahon, in order to promote you, he has to invest TV time and he has to invest a lot of money. Now, if you have bad habits, that would probably, or a, you know, a bad attitude, that would probably be a reason why a businessman wouldn't want to invest his money into you. You understand? regardless of how good you look or how much potential you have if if the, the the cons outweigh the pros you know you can always find somebody else right yeah yeah but i got sean intimidate the hell out of me yeah he was actually once you got to know him he's a pretty cool dude i spoke to um chuck palumbo and obviously he tagged with sean and WCW when they came over to WWE and uh, a similar question to what I asked you and he said Sean couldn't handle the backstage politics he didn't know how to talk backstage and like you said he was very straightforward he didn't know how to play the game essentially I mean yeah yeah 85% of the work is backstage dude mm. well you can look look like a million bucks and like for example me at the time i was very shy and quiet right so i again age hmm. but once you grow get older you gotta it's like uh it's like high school man you gotta fucking hey hey how you doing get to know get to know people that way there the higher-ups can get to know your personality and vince can look at you and say okay this you know because one thing i think he enjoys is being creative right i think he enjoys taking somebody and making and making his idea like that's part of his ego right his idea works 
so he can take all credit for it, Undertaker. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. Who was the other guy in the group who liked Bolin's lackey? And he would comb your hair and shit like oh, that. Oh, Jerome Crony? That's right. I think that was a riv. It was like Jabroni, Jerome Crony, yeah. right? Uh, I think he was a local Kentucky wrestler. Right. That uh, had worked for OVW previously. Everybody liked him, so they just gave him a spot. Yeah. Right. I think he might have helped out. He might have helped out like selling sponsorships and whatnot. So, because they, because uh, I, I don't know what happened with him, but they ended up bringing in another guy. And he was like a bigger gentleman, and he couldn't <laughs> comb your hair right. He chucked your robe just everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was just uh, that was just a part. But then they brought in um, uh, uh Maurice, something like that. Maurice, yeah, but Static, I forget his name. He was a good dude, man. Really yeah. good guy. And they brought him as my butler. But like looking, and that's like, I was in the south, right? Mm. And if you look at it now, that's kind of like kind of pushing the envelope don't you think yeah like the racial fucking envelope (laughs) (laughs) now looking back i can see it but jesus christ at the time i didn't know any better you shut up and do as you're told right oh yeah but like i don't think that would fly this day and age especially with the black Lives matters and all that jazz right oh yeah um do you remember the theme song for the bowling's uh group Oh, what was it? I can't, I can't hear it in my head, but I don't know the, the, the actual name. David Bowie? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. After I put together that compilation of the matches, that song was in my head for a month. <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> uh, that, was all, that was all Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy, for example, no, he told me he wants me to go and buy black leather pants and I'm like what the fuck's his obsession with black leather pants because he had like the revolution with the Basham and Damage and they all had black leather and he wanted me to wear black leather I was like fuck can I be different so I went and bought like this most metrosexual type fucking poofy shirt I could find just to you know what I mean I don't know I'm not into fashion at all dude I'm a t-shirt jeans kind of guy yeah track suit there but dude yeah. so uh, back to Lance so uh, during his time he was having a big feud with uh, Charlie Huss and uh, he's got brought into it so we've had Charlie on the show great guy um, how was it one of your earliest programs working with Cade and obviously having this feud with Charlie Huss and I think during that time as well Matt Morgan popped in uh, another friend all friends of the show, uh, Matt Morgan was in there, and so was Rob Conway. So, yeah. having these matches with these talents, how did it feel for yourself? Obviously, making the jump into America, it was all right. I remember they brought in the APA and they worked with me and Kate. Hmm. I think we did an angle with them, and the blow off was uh, Six Flags, right? That was like their big. <clears throat> Because that was like their, their big money maker. It was a guaranteed deal, right? And that's blow off. Like it was Super Summer Sizzling Series or some shit. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. Like, so like we have like three or four big shows during the summer, like a monthly show where, you know. But 
Yeah. No, me and Kate had good chemistry. And I remember like my, no, my first dark match was singles, but then our second line of dark matches It was me and Kay versus the Dudley boys. I, I like to say it was Indianapolis, but I don't think it was. It might have been Cincinnati. Yeah. And we we, we tore it up. Yeah. Like Bubba fucking, Bubba gave me two concussions during that match. I remember going back to Kate after him. I go, dude, I think he knocked me out. He goes, me too. Uh, uh, prick. But... Lovely. Um, so, um, I would imagine you and Kate obviously was uh, travel buddies at this time. And if you were, uh, any fun road stories? Just a few times. Just a few times. I remember me. Yeah, I mean, Kate would travel because he was older, so he could rent a car, right? Right. And then sometimes we had Molly Holly to babysit us. Okay. <laughs> No, she's a wonderful, just, she's a fuck. In the wrestling business, she's a saint. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that from yeah. a lot of people. X-Pac, I yeah. think, said it as well. He's like, yeah. she's too nice for the wrestling business. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it might be all a fucking cover-up, and she's really, like, a maniacal, I doubt it. Just, <laughs> right? No, she's, she's a saint. But, uh, yeah, we... Me and Kate traveled one time in Boston, right? This was when La Resistance was like at the peak heat in Boston. Like the Northeastern fans are wild, dude. They like to get, you know. So Kate is driving, I'm in the passenger seat and we're coming out and everybody's hitting our fucking, you know, the windows and shit. And then all of a sudden we're like, just got out of the parking lot and boom! Kate freaks out and just speeds off, right? But we went maybe a mile or two down the road, then we got out and we could see like the top of the car was dented because wow. they had thrown a boulder. Yeah, they were aiming for the back window to shatter a back window, but it actually hit the roof. It was like a big, yeah. I don't know if we got charged for it. We Typically, we never put insurance on our cars. Yeah. So, uh you eventually um, got called up, obviously, La Resistance. Um, but obviously, you wrestled a few dark matches with uh, Cade. Um, what was Cade's reaction to you getting called up with La Resistance? And was there any professional jealousy there, thinking, well, I thought we possibly would really have got called up together, or was he cool with it? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. But... He got called up shortly after with Jindrak, right? What did you think of that tag team? Very generic, no real character build, just two guys out there. You know yeah, I mean? very great. Both, both, both guys could go. Oh, yeah. It was just there was no, you no know, story behind it. Just, you know, two guys going out there, two big guys that can, I mean, they were good wrestlers, but just there's no character build behind it, right? Hmm. I guess it was just they figured they're both still young and this is just a way to introduce them, right? Get them on the road. But I remember we had matches together. Me and I think me and Sly against Kate and Jinjack, maybe me and Rob against Kate and Jinjack. 
but like the matches with me because me and rob kid we all work together in obw That's right. so we're familiar with each other's you know what i mean yeah i remember one time they gave us like a 15 minute match in uh on raw in uh colorado now, if you know anything about colorado it's up in the mountains right yeah. So you got the tendency to fucking blow up because the altitude or whatever. So I think that was a rip on us. See if we can fucking hang it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why there's a lot of like professional fighting uh, dojos and gyms are in Colorado just because of the altitude. So guys can train at that intensity or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know Bobby Lashley, I think he has, has a gym there. Yeah. He's that's right. Colorado. That's right. Yeah. 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 It's similar with um, the football, soccer, if you call it. Uh, like, uh, there's a country, Ecuador, and yes. where it is from the Ukraine, it's pretty, like, high up or whatever. And um, during the World Cup, so obviously all the countries, they was underdogs, but because they're used to, like you said, the high altitudes training and where they was playing at the time the deployment was held, they just kept going and going and going, and they played, and they didn't win it. But they overachieved compared to what a lot of people thought they was going to do, myself included. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I felt like that when I went to Mexico City. I was like, because it's a higher altitude in Mexico City. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I think it was shortly thereafter they put K with Murdoch, right? Because they released Jindrak. Well, I think, uh, so I'm trying to get my timelines right. So they tried um, Garrison and Kate, and, uh, not sorry, it was called Garrison Kate. Um, what did you, what did they say to you anyway about the Garrison Kate name? Did, did that ever come up? Wasn't that Sean's middle name or Sean's son's middle name or Sean's son's name or? Well, Sean Michaels, his name's Michael Sean Pickenbottom. And the name Garrison has something to do with fucking Shawn Michaels somehow. Right. But the first thing I think of is Mr. Fucking Garrison, guy. Mayor Dwan, guy. Right? I actually watched South Park the movie the other night. I haven't watched Did it you? for years. <laughs> I'm pissing yeah. myself watching this film. I'm like, they're, they're so lucky they started that show in the 90s when you could get away with a lot of stuff. But, and because it's been going on for so long, you can't cancel it now because it's been going on for so long. Right. Some of the things that's in the film are like, how the fuck do they get away with this stuff? Right. That and Team America, I recommend Team America to every person watching this because that is the funniest film. Hilarious. Yeah. We'll do a watch along everyone one day. <laughs> No, we'll get cancelled. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, he teamed up with Jindrak, and I think, um, to, yeah, I think they squared off with you at WrestleMania 20 in that four-way tag team match. Yes. It was you, it was you and Rob, uh, Jindrak and Cade, uh, Booker and RVD were the tag champs, Yeah, uh, I think. And was it the Dudleys in that match? Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before, uh, obviously, MSG, WrestleMania 20, you got chills coming through and you was in great shape. Um, 
How was Cade and uh, the other teams in this match? Their feelings, obviously, safe to say Dudley's was a lot more experienced than same with Booker and RVD, but obviously Cade and Jindrak are kids as well. Um, how was they during this match? Nervousness? It's fucking WrestleMania at the Garden, dude. How fucking cool is that? It's the last WrestleMania at the Garden. Right? People always said, you know, every 10-year anniversary it should be at the Garden. Yeah, it could be a financial thing, though. That's it. That's the issue, but... I think he wants to... I think Vince and company want, like, the big stadium fucking 80, 90,000 people, plus financially, the Garden, like, I don't think it's in comparison to the other stadium shows, right? Because WrestleMania is so big <clears throat> that they'd be taking a pay cut doing it there, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just the fun of me, you know, I'm just nostalgic for it. <laughs> right. Oh, I saw the funniest meme the other day. <laughs> I'll let you drink your water while you spit out. Obviously, we've kept up to date with the Vince McMahon alleged, um, what, you know, paying off the lady. Yeah. Someone and it was reported it was like three million or four million. Someone put up, well, Finson Rand paid more f- uh, for this, uh, has paid more for sex than he has for WCW. <laughs> I found that so funny. I thought it's so true. It's funny because it's the truth. Well, yeah, I think it gets three million for WCW. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, that's funny. Fuck. But uh, back to Lanskade. So, so after WrestleMania, uh, so I think they took him back down to OVW, but then they brought Cade back up as Garrison Cade. Uh, they cut his hair a bit, and he started uh, kind of working with uh, Coachman. He was kind of like Coachman's sidekick or lackey. And they was having a bit of a feud with Eugene, if I'm right. You was on SmackDown during the I was probably on SmackDown. Dude, when I was on SmackDown, I didn't follow Raw at all. Yeah? No. That was something I was meant to ask you, Renee. So I've heard that there was a, a real rivalry between the Raw and SmackDown brands. Was that true? Maybe. I just hated that fucking locker room. hated my time there. You know what I mean? He was surrounded by a bunch of guys who were probably near the end of their careers as far as mainstream. And they'd like to like hang on as long as they can. So when they see young guys coming up, let's try to find any reason we can to get them fired, right? Did so, you ever make the request to go back to Raw? No, I, I just showed up and I was, by that point, I just looked at my fucking check every week, see how big it was. Right. But my check my checks were a lot bigger when I was on Raw with Sly. Really? Yeah. Well, as opposed to like uh well the video game check was I think it was bigger. And then like the payoff I would get for like me and Cena singles match or whatever at the judgment day was pretty good. That was like the best payoff for a pay-per-view. I was going to ask you that. Was that your biggest payday work? I've seen yeah. it. For a, for a pay-per-view, yeah. Yeah. But then I got put with Kenzo, so then, like, the pay-per-view payoffs were probably similar to what I would make when I was with Sly. Right. But the weekly, the actual weekly check was a little bit 
less. Right. Yeah, because SmackDown didn't draw as well as Raw. No. No. It's weird as well because SmackDown's considered the A show now because it's on Fox. <laughs> Are they even running house shows? I don't know. You know what? I don't know. I think they do, but the attendance is is shit. You don't you don't want to know. Right. It's like right. even some of the TV tapings, though, uh, Renee. Like obviously, you know all about the camera side, so they put most of the fans. But I mean, back in the day when using WWE and obviously all Attitude Era fans, stadiums were packed. Well, the arenas were packed, but honestly, it. Literally, one side of the arena is, is empty, and I'm not making really it up. Dark. Yeah, yeah, I was like that too in some areas when I was there. But yeah. they put the black tarp, and again, they have the best cameraman that can completely take different angles and make shit look great, right? right. So, um, so you eventually made it back to Raw with the funky mustache. Um, and Cade started tagging with uh, Murdoch. So uh, when was the first time you met Trevor Murdoch? When I worked him in a dark match and got him a job. Right. I forget where we were. Could have been around the St. Louis area. That's where he's from, right? Yeah. Good worker though. And the fact that he was Harley's boy, I put an extra bit of effort. Yeah. Oh yeah. Harley. Harley stayed with my family for like the summer of 1990, right? That's right. So he would always <clears throat> we had like a separate like apartment on our property. Where we put the wrestlers where I had its own little toilet, whatever, and sink and bed. But they'd come down and they'd shower in the house, and my mom would always cook breakfast every morning. So <clears throat> Harley would, <laughs> you'd have a drink, and have a cigarette. Oh, I remember, I remember this clear as day. It was like, hey, kid. You want to go for some ice cream? Yes, sure. Let me finish my drink. <laughs> We're talking it's like 12 noon here, right? <laughs> Let's go. It kind of reminds me of uh, Stu Hart's place, like having wrestlers over and things like that. Is that just a Canadian thing or is that like a, a wrestling family? I think thing? so. I yeah. think so. It might be a Canadian hospitality type deal. Yeah. Right. Or just to save money, but I don't know. No, a certain guy, like Sky Lolo would always stay at her house. Harley would stay. Cuban, Angela Sabido, original Cuban assassin, he would stay. Then when I ran my tours, we had all the boys stay at our, my parents' house. Yeah. Then when I brought over... Um, like Sonata and all those guys, we took one of our apartments and just gave it to them, you know, put two or three guys in an apartment, set up oh. some beds and stuff, yeah. But we'd always have, like, breakfast cooked and 
lunch. Usually left around one or two to hit the hit the road. I miss it. I kind of want to do it again because I really enjoy that. Get myself over there one day. Huh? <laughs> Get myself over. I'll be the ring announcer. <laughs> like I said, I'll never be one of the boys. I know where I'm at. <laughs> no, we'll uh, have you like uh, Lord. Uh, what was that interviewer back in the day? Uh, Alfred Hayes. Yeah, Lord Alfred Hayes will be the. Lord Alfred Hayes, just bleach your hair and wear a suit. He was a great heel, by the way, back in the day for people. We all remember yeah. him as the bumbling idiot in WWE, but he was a great heel. And uh, but we need to get Sean Mooney on. He's a great person. He, he was best friends with Albert Hayes, Alfred Hayes, oh, sorry. Yeah. So we'll have to get Sean Mooney on one day, and he's got loads of Alfred Hayes stories. Yeah, let's bring in some 80s. I just want to be a fan again and just ask, like, fan questions, right? Well, I've got the details. Like I said, I've had Sean Mooney on his show. He was a great guy. Um, yeah. Even uh, uh, a presenter was a little bit later, Todd Pettengill, one of the funniest interviews. But really? uh, oh, yeah, I loved him. He was great. He, a lot of Macho Man stories because he was close to Macho Man. Okay. So, uh, but yeah. We'll yeah, it's, yeah, so if any of the um, 80s and 90 guys that are watching this, if you're still alive and willing to I want to be a fan again and just relive my youth through your stories. So if you're interested in coming on the cafe, let's do it. Back if to anyone, Kate. Yeah. And if anyone's got Rick Martel's details, please send them over. Uh, yeah. But so Kate and Murdoch, um, what did you think of the tag team? I thought it was a great dynamic. Yeah. No, they both loved it and they both put a lot of effort into it. And it was kind of like a throwback. You know, like uh, old school Southern style tag team, but they were big guys can go. You know, you know, Lance obviously had the better physique, <laughs> but I think that worked for for Trevor because he was different than everybody else, right? Yeah, he was still. Bottom line, bottom line is, guess what? It's ding ding, the bell rings. Can you go? You know, he was. He was quite young, you know, Trevor Murdoch. His look was very deceiving. I think he was still, he was quite young then. I've I've interviewed him and uh, he said how much he marked out during matches. I think he was said when he was wrestling DX and he was tagging with Kane, he was tagging with Edge. And he said, Cade was in the ring and Cade would be working Shawn Michaels. And I'm on the apron and I don't realize what I'm doing, but I'm holding my breath. I'm like, <laughs> And Edge would turn to me, he's like, calm down, Trev, calm down. He said, I got myself so excited during these matches. Yeah. Well, Trevor trained here with Noah, right? Yeah. I think he spent two, uh, two or three month stints in the dojo here. I know uh, he said to me, Benoit kind of took him under his wing when he went over. Yeah, he probably... Probably either saw him training or got to talking or, yeah. Like when you do like the Japanese style stretches and, and warm-ups and stuff, if you train here and worked here, then you know exactly, you know, it's different from what Americans do, right, or Canadians or anywhere else. So uh, so you eventually left WWE and... Um, before he left, um, Cade was working a program with um, Jericho and Shawn Michaels and looked like he was going to have a big future, but um, obviously he didn't work out, he ended up leaving. So 
You've told the story before. You was in Japan, and I think you was in the hotel, yeah. and all of a sudden you saw Lance Kade out of phone box. Was that right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so we're in Rapungi. For anybody who's been to Tokyo, Rapungi is like the red light, red light district, right? It's like where all the nightclubs and stuff are. And that's where you put our hotel smack dead in the middle there. Then I came down for breakfast, and then there's Lance on a payphone. This is 2007. I don't know, phone trying to call his wife while trying to light up a cigarette. Fuck. Hey, man, I'll talk to you in a bit. So we had breakfast together, and that's when they stuck us in a tag team, man. We were the Texas Napoleons. And it was fun, man. Some of my best. That's when we really, really got close. Yeah. You know, I was with Kay when I met my wife. That's right, yeah. Tell us more yeah. about that story. So you was nightclubbing, was that right? And I was That's drunk right. as a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had, I told you about sponsors, right, in Japan? Yeah. It's like these wrestling fans that just <clears throat> take you out and have, show you a good time. So we had a really good one. And the night would start off at the Hard Rock Cafe or TGI Fridays. Then we go to like a high high end nightclub, which is where my wife worked. And then right across from that was a strip club. And above the strip club was a karaoke bar. <clears throat> so we typically start around seven at night, maybe eight, and we wouldn't stop until six or seven in the morning. Ask me to do that now. There's no freaking way I could do it. Yeah. Not a chance. Now I start at seven, I'm done at 10. I need to go to bed, all right? Yeah. Not the good night. <laughs> no, yeah, maybe not. That's a great night. <laughs> but anyway, so we were at this club and we just sat and drank, and you know, and there's all these basically the women that just they light your cigarettes, pour drinks, and they bullshit with the businessman. And then <clears throat> and I was so we held a record, me and Kate. 18 jugs. Uh, it's not huge jugs. It's like maybe like, you know. Yeah. 18 jugs of sake and three whole bottles of Jaeger. And I think there was some beer in, in between that too. But yeah, that was like a record my wife told me for the club. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I was so drunk, I actually started talking to my now wife. And apparently in my drunken stupor, I told her that I had a press conference to go that that morning, the next morning. Ask me to do that now, not a chance. But I had to be up at eight. And she actually remembered, got my room number somehow. And the phone started ringing. Now, mind you, my head's about to explode. And I just hear this cute little voice saying, uh, Rake up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway together that was 16 years ago 15 years ago yeah yeah it was me and lance lance is with me and i remember she came to see me before i was leaving back to canada and lance was going back to san antonio and we're on the bus together and i go you know lance i'm gonna marry that girl and he goes you should <laughs> and i did and was it um was it wrestle one or hustle you swag together 
Hustle. Hustle, yes. And then when Katie went back to w, went back to New York, went back to WF. Right. And we kept in contact through email and stuff. After I'd say maybe three, four months, he was emailing, he said, I, I, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I wanna go back to Japan. It's like, dude, you know, I mean, all Japan's okay. I mean, it's, it's a living, but you know, it's not WWF money. So I don't give a shit. It's like, he was at that point. Like, I wanna get the fuck out of here. So, called in a few favors, went to the right people and uh, yeah. He was on the next tour. And they put us in a tag team. We were the voodoo murderers. And we, I mean, again, with our size, you know, because he's fuck, 6'5, six, 6'6, six, six, I'm 6'3. Six, I mean, size wise, it was almost like a Brody and Hansen type deal, right? Yeah. Size wise. And then, uh, so I was probably around 260, 265. He's about 280. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> then he did the one tour. He was off for the next. Now, mind you, I'm living here. So I was on every tour. But he, he got off for August. And then, or, no, no. All for July. I think August was a tag league. August into September might have done. This was 2010. He's, he's been, it's been 12 years since he passed. 12 years this year. But I had done a show in France. So I was living in Japan, but I was still doing shows like a lot of shows in Europe. So they fly me out to Europe on my off days to do, right? So I did a show in France, and then as I landed in Narita Airport, my phone, I had like four or five missed calls, and it was my wife, and it was like, Lance is dead. What the fuck? I couldn't control it, and just fucking, didn't believe it at first, but then just, when I got on the bus, and then we had Big Viscera, Jimmy Yang. I don't know if Charlie was there. Charlie, Charlie, I think, came afterwards. But it's just fucking... There was beer on the bus when I got there. And by the time we got back to Tokyo, there was no more beer. Nope. Yeah. Did you... Um, I, w I can't imagine you did, but did you um, go to his funeral? Or was it just couldn't make it? I couldn't get into the United States at that time. Yes. And technically I still am. I gotta get the paper and I just don't feel like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was hard, man. That was hard. Yeah. I still got the, actually I got the cowboy boots here. I made uh I gave him some money before and I like to wear cowboy boots. I like that style, right? So he brought me two pairs of, I got them here with me now, a black pair, another pair at home. So I've had those for like 12, 12, 13 years now. Um, before we go to fan questions, Renee, what's your 
favourite memory of Lance? Like, it can be a funny memory, it can be a personal memory. What's your favourite memory of Lance? Oh, there's so many. One time, okay, there's this wrestler, Taru, right? I think we talked about him here. And he owns a dominatrix bar. You told me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a night out. We had a few drinks and I went back to my, <laughs> I went back to my, my room because it was in Rapungi. I could, our, 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 our hotel was Ibis Hotel. It's, it was right around the block. So I said, I'll be right back. So I ran there to get something. <clears throat> then I came back. As I got back, I'm looking. Lance is tied up with his ass up in the air and this girl is whipping him. I'm like, what the fuck? That was funny. Oh, there's so many memories, man. Just being on the bus with him. I remember Tajiri misted him. With the green mist and we were here like for like three weeks and the, the red dye the green dye never came out of his hair I'm like Lance what the fuck did you wipe that shit out he's like it won't come out man <laughs> some other personal stuff I don't want to get into maybe if I write a book oh yeah this is yeah. your book this is your memoirs for the future right. generations yeah <laughs> cool well, everyone, thanks for we'll, uh Before we get into next week's guest announcement, it's a big one. Um, we'll do some quick uh, fan questions. Uh, right, right, everyone. So, uh, first question uh, from uh, Tyler Trinkletips. Great name. Uh, I don't remember who I heard say this, but I heard someone from the WWE creative team say that Lance had the physical prow- prowess of a top guy, but not the charisma. Have you any thoughts on that? If so, please share them. Hard to say because he was still young. He died at 29. He left there at 27. Yeah. 28. You don't hit your prime until you're 30, sometimes mid-30s in this business. Right now, I consider myself in my prime at 38. Yeah. Regardless of what WWF wants to promote or tell you. I mean, Jesus Christ. Luthez was having main event matches at 50. <laughs> True. Right. Uh, Paul Fyodor, uh, do you think the team with Jindrek had a potential for a world tag team title run? In the American market, probably a lack of uh, character in the team. There's no story behind it. It was just I mean, they both look great. They could both go, but it was just a generic tag team, you know, no name to it. So, I mean, they could have put titles. They can put titles on anybody. Is it going to yeah. get over? No. Right. Right. Uh, but Joe Tapes, in your opinion, what was Lance Cade's best single or tag team match you ever had? I know him and Trevor would tear it up on the house shows. Hmm. Nothing really comes to mind now, but I mean, they would really, they would have good matches. But they had a singles great, match, huh? They had a great feud with the Hardy Boys. Yeah. Yeah, the fun feud. Yeah. But singles matches, uh, 
nothing really comes to mind right now for singles matches. Uh, friend of the show, uh, Maven, uh, just writing about Lance, good kid, spent a lot of time with him at HWA and then worked with him on the road. Tragedy for him to pass so young. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Maven would have been around him quite a bit in HWA. Hmm. Yeah, have him well, back. We gotta have you back on, Maven. Oh, definitely. We're still in touch with Maven. Great guy, so we'll definitely be having him back. Um, do a couple more before we go, Renee. Um, let's find um oh, I think this guy must have trained with Sean. Uh Jacus Alisada. Uh that was one of my brothers in 1999, along with Spanky and the Dragon. Oh, is that that Shula Schultz guy? Uh, Jacobs Alessandra. I don't know if that's his real name. I'm not some reason. Unless I'm butchering the name, but uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, right. Uh, question from Patrick uh, Bojan. Uh, did you see the signs of what happened to Lance before it happened, like depression or not seeing value in himself? He got caught up in the self medication fucking death trap. Yeah. I was there. I'm one of the fortunate ones that got myself out of it. Yes. And I honestly believe being kicked out of the United States was a godsend that is the reason I'm still alive today. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken about that on that rehab episode and I think I put the question to you. Had you not gone to rehab where you just carried on taking pain pills and, you know, not be with us. And you said, yeah. yeah. So, and the uh, last one, uh, Jaden Riles, uh, what promotion could you have seen Lance wrestling in if he was still with us in 2022? Anywhere. Probably over there with you. Probably. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, before we do go, Renee, uh, big guest for next week. Yes. If you're a fan of um, shoot interviews, uh, as I am, uh, I admit it's kind of hard not to click on a Honky Tonk Man video where he's going off on somebody. Uh, one of the best uh, productions, one of the best setups, one of the best um, companies out there. I don't know if they're still as relevant as they were at one point in time, I don't think, but Sean Oliver from KFA Commentaries is going to be on the show. It was a wonderful interview, incredibly intelligent uh, man. And uh, Tune in next week for Sean Oliver, guys. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, great episode, and uh, we promote his uh, upcoming podcast with Kevin Ash, Click This, which we're all looking forward to. Uh, it's a great show, and yeah, please tune in, and if you're one of our, you know, Long fan, long time fans. Thank you for keep supporting the channel. Uh, we've been doing some great numbers lately. Uh, we're on the road to ten thousand subs, so uh, we're about sixteen hundred off. Uh, the target is to hit it by August twentieth, which will be our one year anniversary. So we want to hit ten k before then. And uh, if you're new to the channel and you haven't subscribed yet, please tap that subscribe button, ring the bell, and uh, keep up with all this goodness. Like I said, me and both. Renee, we both said we've got some big guests coming on, which we have, and I'm going to be starstruck in quite a lot of these guests. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. But 
Before we go, Renee, any other wise words? Oh. It smells funny. Don't stick your tongue in it. I could have done with that advice as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> okay, madame et messieurs. Je vous remercie tous et bonsoir. <laughs>